We have the opportunity, of course, on this Lord's Day and next, as I said, with the bracketing of what will come on Thursday, which, of course, is Thanksgiving Day, an American holiday, to be sure. I was reading about Thanksgiving Day and how it came about. Interesting. Thanksgiving might not be celebrated in the United States today were it not for a patient, persistent woman named Sarah Hale. It is well known that the first Thanksgiving Day was celebrated by the Pilgrim Fathers in 1621 to give thanks for their winter in the New World. In 1789, President George Washington issued a Thanksgiving Day proclamation to commemorate the first Pilgrim celebration. But Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States, discontinued it, calling Thanksgiving a kingly practice. After this, Thanksgiving was observed by some individual states and on whatever date suited their fancy. Then, in 1828, Mrs. Hale, the editor of the magazine Godey's Ladies' Book and author of the poem Mary Had a Little Lamb, began campaigning for the restoration of Thanksgiving as a national holiday. She wrote letters and sought appointments with national leaders from the president down. Time after time, she was politely rebuffed, sometimes being told it was impossible and impractical, and sometimes being dismissed with, this is none of your business scolding. Finally, in 1863... President Lincoln listened seriously to her plea that North and South, quote, lay aside enmities and strife on Thanksgiving Day, unquote. He proclaimed the fourth Thursday of November to be the official national Thanksgiving Day, and this day was finally ratified by the U.S. Congress in 1941. Isn't that interesting? Thanksgiving Day. It, it's, it certainly is a day for our country, the United States of America, to celebrate Thanksgiving. But oh, it is so much more than that for genuine believers in Jesus Christ, isn't it? In fact, I was tracing through the New Testament for every reference for either the word thanks or thanksgiving or thankfulness. And I realized that the Greek word uh, eucharistia, uh, from which we get the word eucharist, is mentioned 54 times in our New Testament. 54 times. There are 17 of those passages that are not Pauline. They, for example, don't come from the writings of Paul. But 37 times the Apostle Paul mentions the idea of thanks or thanksgiving or thankfulness. And that's an amazing number uh, when you compare it to the other times that word is mentioned by non-Pauline writers of the New Testament. And that means, of course, that 30 times Paul, 37 to be exact, is mentioning the idea of thankfulness. He surely is the one who leads the way with regard to giving thanks to God for what God has given to him and to others. And what I thought would be very, very good today and a little bit fun 
would be to create an acrostic. So if you want to write down on the left-hand side of your page an acrostic for the word thanksgiver. I know that's kind of a made-up word, but if we can say thanksgiving, I think we can say thanksgiver. And it's under the title of the message this morning, Are You a Thanksgiver? Are you a thanksgiver? And I want you, in, in typical Pauline fashion, 30 times more than any other writer of the New Testament, Paul speaks about thanksgiving, and therefore we could say he is the king of being a thanksgiver. Being a thanksgiver. And I want to know if we are. Do we regularly, daily, hourly give thanks to God? And do we give thanks to God for others? Could you say in your own heart that you are truly a thanksgiver to the glory of God? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you, for the T in thanksgiver, a definition of the word. Okay? And then I'm going to give you ten passages for the eleven letters that make up a thanksgiver. I'm going to give you Paul's perspective on being a thanksgiver. So with the T, just right across, thanksgiving or thanksgiver. Just right across that acrostic, something like this. Thanksgiving is to be defined as, thanksgiving is to be defined as the the characteristic way that we express our gratitude to God. Thanksgiving is the characteristic way This is how you define what it means to be a thanksgiver. It is the characteristic way that you and I can express our gratitude to God. Now, it's interesting. I traced through a number of English dictionary definitions of the word thanksgiving. And in almost every one that I could find, it defined it by using the word thanks. And I ask myself the question, well, is there some other way to define the word thanksgiving by not using the word thanks? Because if you define thanksgiving by the word thanks, then you have to ask yourself the question, well, what does the word thanks mean? And the word thanks, of course, means that you are a thanksgiver. And it means this, you are expressing your gratitude to God. You're expressing your appreciation to God. You are lauding Him with praise. You are expressing your thanks to Him for what He's given you. Even the trials of life. You want God to be worshipped. You want to praise Jesus. You want to thank the Holy Spirit for giving you life powerfully from the dead, from a spiritual perspective. You want to thank God for everything that He's given you. Everything. I mean, if Romans 8.28 says that God works all things together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to His purpose, then everything, even the trials of life, even those things that you and I don't necessarily see as good, God works together for good. And since He works those things together for good, then we ought to thank God for all things. And that is what thanksgiving can very basically mean that you are seeing your thanksgiving to God as essentially or characteristically the way that you express your gratitude to Him.
by thanking him, by verbalizing that. Not just by your acts of service, as important as they are, but also by your vocalizing, your verbalizing of your thanks to him. You can do it quickly. You can do it when no one's around. You can do it in your heart when no one assumes that you're doing it. But your mind is encapsulated in the thanksgiving that you give to God. That's the T of thanksgiving. How about H? H. The H in thanksgiver. Let's do it this way. You write this down. H is habitually pray prayers of thanksgiving for others. Habitually pray prayers of thanksgiving for others. And what I'm going to give you with this first and with all of them, these ten letters, I'm going to give you a a, a verbal idea. So every one of these acrostics are going to start with a verb. Because thanksgiving is an act of your will, right? And you want to verbalize through the choice of your will this idea of habitually praying prayers of thanksgiving to God. Now that's kind of an adverbial idea, but it is nonetheless something that will help us as you and I think about what am I to do or what am I doing when I express thanks to God. And what I want to do both from the book of Ephesians and Colossians is give you all ten of these. I could uh, probably come up with an acrostic for every time Paul uses this idea of thanksgiving, and we'd have a 37-point outline. But we would never get out of here. So I'll give you these ten, and that might be the very first one. Habitually pray prayers of thanksgiving for others. Look in your Bibles at Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to just trace these as they flow out from each of these two epistles, the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians, these twin epistles of Paul, and you're going to see these things, I hope, come alive so that you can be a true and bona fide thanksgiver to God. Look at chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he, talking about the Lord, has blessed us in the Beloved. Now that's a marvelous opportunity for us to see who it is we're praising, right? We're praising this glorious God. And why? Because he's blessed us in the Beloved One, in Christ, in whom we have forgiveness or redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In other words, just in that little section that begins chapter 1, he's telling us all the things that, that has happened to us in Christ. And because of that, and because he knows that that's what's happened to the Ephesians themselves, notice what he says beginning in verse 15. For this reason, what I just read to you, even just a little portion there, it goes all the way from verse 3 all the way through verse 14. And he says, for this reason, all of this glorious praise to God for our redemption, forgiveness of sins, lavishing upon us wisdom and insight, making known the mystery of His will, His plan for the fullness of time, 
All of those things and so much more. For this reason, Paul says, because of I, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give what? Thanks. I do not cease to give thanks for you. And you know, this was the characteristic kind of praying that Paul did to start almost all of his epistles. Not every single one of them, but almost all of them. You trace it back through. You go from the book of Romans through the rest of the epistles of Paul, and there are 13 of those, and you're going to find that characteristically, characteristically, just about every time when he writes his epistles, not just because it's the form of letter writing that they occupied themselves with in the first century, but a true and bona fide man of thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul says, I thank God for you. And he normally says it this way, I thank God for you always. I thank God for you always. And he says it here, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Hence, our verbal command. Habitually pray prayers of thanksgiving for others. Are you a thanksgiver in the sense that you're habitually praying prayers of thanksgiving for others? You know what it does? It often allows you to get your focus off whom? Yourself. Onto others. Habitually pray prayers of thanksgiving for others. Habitually do that, like Paul says here. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And when he says, I do not cease to give thanks, does that mean that Paul was thinking about these people every single step of the way? No, it was probably more like this. He always had a consciousness about his people. He had a God consciousness about them. And he was ceaselessly praying for them. Habitually so. That's the H in are you a thanksgiver. Does that characterize you? Are you always and forever thinking about others, praying for them? If you are, then you are one of those thanksgivers that Paul talks about. A. A. T-H-A. This is good. Answer any and all temptations to sin instead with thanksgiving. Answer any and all temptations to sin instead with thanksgiving. Where do I get that? Look at chapter 5, verse 3, beginning there. Chapter 5, verse 3. But sexual immorality, Paul says, and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Now notice what he does there in verses 3 and 4. He lists several sins. Sexual immorality, verse 3a. Impurity, all impurity, he says. Covetousness, which is probably the idea of coveting uh, the, the, the sexual desires that are in your heart. So those are three of them. And then he lists some more in verse 4. No filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. So he's listed six characteristic kinds of sins there. And he says they are out of place, but instead put in their place when you're tempted, instead of doing those sins as you think about them, but instead let there be what? Thanksgiving. Now that seems strange, doesn't it? 
Doesn't that seem odd to you? I mean, how, how often have you thought, well, I, I've been tempted uh, to do one of these sins, immorality, impurity, covetousness, uh, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. I've been tempted to do that. And what I should do instead is be thankful. That seems weird. It just seems out of place. I mean, he says those things are out of place, but it seems as though the antidote, the cure, the answer to those kind of sins is not to be a thanksgiver. I mean, that seems either so easy or it seems just plain wrong because is that the antidote, Paul? Is that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? You're writing these Ephesians and you're telling them that the answer to those kinds of very, very serious sins is to be a thanksgiver? That's what he says. And I suspect what he means by that is this. If you really challenge your mind to think through when you're tempted to do one of these sins, or any sin for that matter. Instead, stop, back up, and say to yourself something like this. Why should I even do that? Why should I be tempted to think that, let alone do that, when God has given me everything? I should instead be so thankful for His gifts. I should be thankful for the opportunity not to fall into the temptations, not even the doing of these things, because he's blessed me so abundantly. Why? Why would I want to do these things? They're momentary pleasures. And when the doing of them is over, and and my sin has been conceived in my heart, and and I actually carry it out in my life with my members, my my hands, my arms, my, my mind, my doing of those things, I feel so much guilt within. Because I know it's not right. I know it's not what God wants. I know it's not His best. So, if you're like me, you should say, answer any and all temptations to sin instead with thanksgiving. That's Paul's answer. That's God's answer through Paul's pen. That you and I, instead of not only the conceiving of those things, but the doing of those things, I step back and I say, no, I'm not going to do them because I'm so thankful to God for His power to say no. I'm so thankful to God by His Spirit to resist these temptations. I'm so thankful to God for, for the fact that He's given me the Holy Spirit so that I can say no to these sins. I thank God that He's given me the power of Christ so that I can see His life, His death, His resurrection as my own power to say no to these kinds of sins, whether the sins of sex or the sins of speech. No? No? I'm going to not do those things because I am a thanksgiver. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to fall to those things because I'm going to lift my heart to praising God and say thank you for delivering me before I ever do those things. Answer any and all temptations to sin instead with thanksgiving. In, T-H-A-N. Never stop giving thanks to God for everything. Never stop giving thanks to God for everything. Thanksgiving is the characteristic way to express to God your gratitude. How do you do that? By habitually praying prayers of thanksgiving for others, by answering any and all temptations to sin, instead with thanksgiving to God, and never stop giving thanks to God for everything. Look at chapter 5, verse 20. 
If you back up to verse 18, it says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or excess or dissipation, but be filled or controlled with the Spirit. And what will that look like when I'm controlled with the Spirit? Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Verse 20, giving thanks how often? For how much? Now, those are what I call 100% words, right? No wiggle room there. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What's the verbal idea? What's the command there? Never stop giving thanks to God for everything. You're supposed to do it always. And you're supposed to do it for everything. Every trial, Lord, every test, every diagnosis, every, every issue, every time, for everything, that's what it says. Giving thanks always. I appreciate Thanksgiving Day. I really do. It's a time for family, food, fellowship. It's a time to, to, to think about how thankful you are? Yes, it's a time for that. But every day ought to be Thanksgiving Day. It really should. And every day should be a Thanksgiving Day which is always and for everything. You know when you think about being a a Thanksgiver? Never stop giving thanks to God for everything. Thank Him for everything. Even the bad stuff? Yes, even the bad stuff. Because He can make bad stuff into good things. You say, even in this life, yes, but even if it's not for you in this life, although I believe it will be, it'll be for us in heaven. No tears. No tears. No sorrow. No shame. All the trials, tests are, are done. Did we not just read in our scripture reading, Philippians 1.6, For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will what? Perfect it. Mature it. Bring it to its ultimate conclusion. That is the day of Christ Jesus. Yes, we can thank God for everything. And for always. Because He's a good God. He loves us. He cares for us. And what's more, Jesus died for us. And the Holy Spirit lives to powerfully impact us for the sake of of giving thanks to God. Are you that kind of thanksgiver? This is, this, is a, this is a verbal command that says, never not give thanks, if we can say it that way. Never not give thanks. Give thanks to God for everything. Here's the next one. Keep, T-H-A-N-K, keep a Godward focus to your prayers of thanksgiving. Keep a Godward focus to your prayers of thanksgiving. Look over in Colossians chapter 1. Skipping over Philippians, Colossians chapter 1. He says in verse 3, this is another one of these prayers of Paul, but notice the angle, the focus by which he prays. We always Thank whom? God. The Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. But I love the way he focuses, directs that prayer. He's not praying to other people. You don't pray to other people. You pray for other people and you pray for other people to God. There is to be forever and always for us a Godward focus. You have to keep a Godward focus. You have to maintain a vertical relationship where it's you and God. Is there a horizontal relationship with others in the body of Christ? Sure there is. And there needs to be. There must be. We have this horizontal relationship. In a few minutes, we're going to celebrate communion together. And when we're finished with this service, we're going to have a lovely meal together. And we're going to have fellowship. We're going to be sitting around tables. We're going to be talking to each other. And we're going to be laughing. And we're going to be joyful. And we're going to be fundraising for seven of our people to go to Haiti to minister to others in a very needy country like that. And we're going to have a lot of horizontal relational dynamics going. And it's wonderful and it's blessed by God and it's what we should do. But we should always and forever keep a vertical Godward focus in our prayers. We always thank God, he says. That's what means what it means to be a thanksgiver a thanksgiver is that you do you keep a godward focus it's it's tough it's tough to keep a godward focus when you've got challenges and trials and tests and vicissitudes of life and and you're struggling and you, you don't know where to go and you don't know where to turn and it seems like you want to pick up a phone or you want to receive that email or that card uh, 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 you want to receive that encouragement from others and as important as those things are Paul gives us the Godward focus when he says, we thank God for you. He's in an attitude of prayer, even as he thanks God for others. Keep a Godward focus to your prayers of thanksgiving. The S, the S of thanksgiver. Shout thanksgivings to God for your salvation. Shout thanksgivings to God for your salvation. Salvation. Look at what he says here in chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So he's talking about the Christian life. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is Paul's prayer for them, that they would do that, that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then here's... Another prayer request of his, verse 11, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And then notice this, verse 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Who can't shout about that? We've got to shout about that. I mean, can, can, you, 
Can you read those words off the page? Even if you go up to verse 9. So, from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, being fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, so that you would be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all this endurance and patience to live the Christian life with joy, giving thanks to the Father, shouting that thanks to Him. Why? Because he's qualified you and me to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. We're going to receive one day all the goodies. And he says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Who can't shout about that? Shout your thanksgiving to God. Tell him how thankful you are. For all of these salvation attributes that you and I have been given. How could we not be thanksgivers to God? We've got to shout our thanksgiving. That's, that's what the word praise means. Shout to God my hallelujah, right? I am thankful to God. I have to shout about it. How about the G in thanksgiver? Give abounding thanks to God for your Christian walk. Give abounding thanks to God for your Christian walk. Look at chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, talking about the Christian life, just as He did in chapter 1, but notice in verse 7, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and then notice this phrase, abounding, in thanksgiving. Are you an abounder? Is that, is that the thanksgiving that you offer to God? You say, Lord, I want to be this grateful thanksgiver. I want to be, I want to be known as this person. I, I, I want to be fashioned like Paul, who was so thankful. 37 out of the 54 times it's mentioned in the New Testament, Paul's behind it. And he's saying, I want you, those of you who are in Christ Jesus, you've received the Lord, I want you, as you walk in Him, to see how rooted and built up in Him you are, established in your faith, just as I taught you, and then he says, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding. That's that's probably a little benign. How about this? Super abounding. Super abounding. Why? Because of the grace of God. Because you've been the recipient of the unmerited grace of God. You and I were going down the road to hell. And God, by His divine grace, His mercy, His his unmitigated grace, put you and I from that road instead on the road to heaven. Who could not abound in thanksgiving at the thought? That's why Paul says, give abounding thanks to God for your Christian walk. And notice I said it that way, for your Christian walk, not just for your salvation, but for your ever step-by-step relationship to Jesus Christ in your Christian walk. That's why I love 
Paul's analogy there that the Christian life is a walk. It's a step-by-step relationship of growth and change in the Christian life. So give thanksgiving to God, superabounding thanksgiving to God for your Christian walk. Here's the I. Include thanksgiving as the peace of Christ rules you. Include thanksgiving as the peace of Christ rules you. Look at chapter 3. Verse 15. You know, this is really not hard to do. I just went through Ephesians and Colossians, found every time where Thanksgiving is mentioned, and just made an acrostic out of it. Now you see the method to my madness. Include Thanksgiving as the peace of Christ rules you. Verse 15. Famous words. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You say, what kind of peace? I take it here that he's saying not just some kind of ephemeral peace uh, like, uh, well, I have the peace of the Lord in my heart. That's sometimes very difficult to define. What, What do you mean by that? I think often, not always, but often when Paul is talking about that, and he certainly did in Philippians 4 when he was talking about Yodia and Syntyche, that they were at odds with each other. And so when he says peace there in Ephesians 4, and I think what he might mean here in chapter 3, verse 15 of Colossians, is the peace of Christ in the sense of the absence of conflict. The absence of conflict. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You say, well, is that talking about individual believers? Well, yes, but actually, it's Paul writing to the Colossians. It's a church. It's a, an epistle, a letter that's being read to a church. And so he's talking about everybody, not just an individual. Individuals are involved because they make up the body, but he's talking corporately here. And what he says is, I want the entire congregation to allow the peace of Christ, the sustained peace of Jesus Christ, to rule in your hearts, collectively, congregationally, corporately, rule in your hearts. Every single one of you, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be what? Thankful. Thankful. Include thanksgiving as the peace of Christ rules you. You've got to include that. That's a part of peace. If peace is the absence of conflict, then thanksgiving is like that cherry on top. Allow thanksgiving to be the very pinnacle of how Christ gives his peace to the flock. Include that thanksgiving. Don't ever lose sight of it. The V of thanksgiver. Vocalize your thanksgiving through teaching, admonishing, and singing. Vocalize your thanksgiving through teaching, admonishing, and singing. Let me back up to verse 15 of chapter 3 and read it again and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful and then the very next verse verse 16 let the word of Christ so now in addition to the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts now it's the word of Christ and it's to dwell in you richly how so Paul here it is teaching that's one and admonishing that's two admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know all three of those ideas are verbal ideas. Teaching, that's verbal, right? Admonishing, that's verbal. With thanksgiving, that's verbal. If you are a thanksgiver, 
then you have to tell somebody you are. And if you tell somebody you are, you want to tell them what you're thankful for, and you're thankful for this vertical relationship that you share with Christ, and horizontally you want to thank them for who they are with you in Christ. Express your thanks to them. Now, none of us, myself included, top of the list, don't do it as often as we should. But you know, it might actually revolutionize our relationships verbally with one another if we think about teaching and admonishing and with thankfulness vocalizing that in your relationship with others. Tell your people how thankful you are for them. You say, well, they do things at times for which I'm not thankful. God is in charge of that. God is in charge of their mouth. God is in charge of their actions. And he's also in charge of your mouth and your actions. And what the Bible says here is with thankfulness in your hearts to God should you be teaching and admonishing one another and singing in your hearts. This is all verbal here. And that's why the point is in the verb, vocalize your thanksgiving through teaching and admonishing and singing. Here's the E. Engage. Engage in all word or deed with thanksgiving. Engage with all or in all word or deed with thanksgiving. Look at the very next verse in Colossians chapter 3. And whatever you do, not just in your teaching, not just in your admonishing, not just in your singing, with thankfulness in your hearts to God, and whatever you do in word or deed. That just sums it all up, because all we do is word or deed, right? We don't do anything more than word or deed. That's the summation of it all. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything. That's another one of those 100% words. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So in all your words, in all your deeds, give thanks. Give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. Engage in word or deed everything with thanksgiving. Are, are you that kind of person? Does that roll off your tongue at a moment's notice? I'm just going to give thanks to God for everything. I'm going to engage in word or deed in that fashion. And then lastly, recognize that prayers of thanksgiving are hard work. Recognize that prayers of thanksgiving are hard work. Look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. That word steadfastly, that means it's hard work. You've got to be steadfast in it. And then he adds another hard work word being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So the two words that he uses there, steadfastly. In fact, you could even add the third word, continue. Continue, that means it's the pattern of your life. Keep doing it and do it steadfastly, this prayer that you offer to God, and be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Can you imagine how this might have struck both the Ephesians and the Colossians as they have these letters. Probably the Ephesian letter was read to the Colossians at times and the Colossian letter was read to the Ephesians at times. And you know that in the space of these two little bitty letters, ten times, Paul is saying something about thankfulness. 
I think he's hitting us right in the heart as well. Are we those people? If Paul were to have written the letter to TOBC, and he, if he were to have said ten times, I think that would have been something that would have keyed us in on the very, very central place of thanksgiving to God. Are you a thanksgiver? If you are, then bow your head and thank God. Let's do that. Bow your heads with me. Father, I am so much more thankless, it seems, than thankful. I make so many assumptions about your goodness. I make so much presumption about how you ought to bless us, how you have blessed me, how you ought to bless others. And I seem at times not to do the very next step, the step that is so crucial, and that is to thank you, to thank you for all these blessings. Oh, Father, thank you for an American holiday like Thanksgiving Day. We don't just give thanks to you about our country and about our freedoms and about our opportunity to worship unhindered in this great land, but we do thank you for it. But we should thank you for so many more things. And we should be thank givers in so many more ways than we are. I thank you for this church. And I thank you for these, your people. And Lord, when I think of communion, of which we're about to participate, I think of what the Lord Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 11:24. After the breaking of bread, he gave thanks. Even our Lord Jesus, even far more than the sinful Apostle Paul, was at the very heart of his being a thanksgiver to you, his heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for us on the cross. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper now, may we do so with a renewed sense of being an all-out committed thanksgiver. In Jesus' name, amen. The men will come before.